Is your mic on? It's on this time. I can see the waveforms. <laughs> Definitely didn't lose an entire intro uh, and not even lose it. Just never really had it. So that's good. I mostly said that uh, we lost evidence of you laughing at something I said. <laughs> As if that isn't the entirety of the show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going to put the onus on you for this one. Caitlin, you oh, got God. a bit? Do I have a bit? A cold open. Like the cold open ocean where this, our little stone house is on a boat. How's that? <laughs> I, I liked it. Uh, Could have put a little more mustard on it, but. <laughs> We're on a boat. Look, second time's the charm. We're on a boat. The thing that everyone says. I did actually, I know we did lose it, but I did enjoy your um, seaside foley work. <laughs> oh, thank you. That did make me laugh. We are on our boat, yeah. We're here, we're he we gathered here today Flash. to Fish noise. to give a Vikings funeral to the episode that we lost, and oh, also- Oh, I'm out of And also the first five minutes of the first recording of this, because um, we're good at podcast. We're um, so good. So good at podcast. Uh, we very, very quick off the top. Uh, we the creature crunch third creature crunch episode is gone forever. We say rest in pieces. It was lost. It was lost to into the depths. File corruption. Um, uh, manatee ate it. Uh, so farewell to that. Sorry, we're not gonna do. We're not gonna do it again. Um, it is worth reiterating part of why this took so long is that i am so inept at audio software that caitlin had to find me a program where all i have to do is press the record button it's great so far it's i mean it's honestly easier better you don't you didn't need all the bells and whistles so yeah, i really didn't we had some file corruption issues and lost that and just decided it's yeah just let it be dead that's okay so maybe in 10 episodes we'll get another creature crunch but i just like the idea of like your setup basically like an airplane cockpit. Mine is a child's <laughs> toy of an airplane cockpit. And you know what? That's like, fine. That's good. I love that for this us. This button, this dial is a sticker. <laughs> yeah, why not? I love it. Have some fun. Put some Lisa Frank's decor up in there. Get it real rainbowy and fun. It's all good. Not hurting anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to Stone Houses, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. I'm Caitlin Bruder. And I'm Vern Meeker. And we are on this boat for more We're than on one it. reason. We have said farewell and sent it off to see that little burning vessel you see in the distance as that Creature Crunch episode. But also, <laughs> what are we talking about this week? Well, we're talking about uh, sailors' myths and folklore, nautical superstitions, and mythology. The sailor lore. The sailor. <laughs> uh, you may be wondering, why would sailors specifically have such extensive folklore? And answer to that, I guess, would be they spend a lot of time isolated from their communities. Uh, they spend a lot of time in small groups on a boat under mm -hmm. extremely unpredictable and dangerous conditions. Uh, apparently second only to loggers for I did dangerous see that occupation. Too. Yeah. The sea is a sea. Uh, fickle mistress. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things we're going to be talking about. So this is very a very generic, a very broad topic. Probably 
broader than dragons even, which was honestly, I didn't think we were going to get broader than that. And we did. Genuinely, like almost all the stuff I have to talk about is from like the Wikipedia page for sailor superstitions. So Mm -hmm. if you've heard these things before, it's okay. It's a broad, it's a broad topic. Any of these could be their own episode, but. Which we might do. Let us know. Let us know. Sound fun. I mean, some things we'll probably dive a little bit into, but for the most part, we're just gonna be we're gonna be chatting about ocean stuff. Tag Caitlin on social media. Yeah. <laughs> Send a letter to her personal address, which doesn't work because that's also my personal address. <laughs> please, please don't. So basically, oh, this is going to be very broad, very generic. Um, a lot of superstitions, a lot of um, things from a lot of different angles, uh, but a lot of this is going to be superstitions, beliefs, um, practices. Uh, that are based in, like Bryn said, this inherent risk of being on the ocean. Um, there's a lot of stuff about good and bad luck, um, which is actually a lot of the things that I find most interesting. I really, really enjoy those. Um, and then a lot of things that are just kind of how we talk about folklore in general being, if you think of uh, tales for kids and like life lessons and morals and things that have meaning outside of the creative bits that are kind of maybe practical advice as well. So. Uh, it's going to be just kind of stuff that uh, brought itself to life on the ocean and the seas. And it's cool. It's cool. Humans uh, as a whole, a lot of stuff in life happens for no reason or no reason that we can control. Uh, and epitropaic magic, stuff to do with mm-hmm. good luck and bad luck, is a way of giving us a sense of control over the uncontrollable. So... Uh, it's a good way of saying, well, that happened because of this, and now that I've learned a lesson from that, it will never happen to me again. <laughs> everything, everything that happens to me is under my control, uh, or the control of a vengeful and spiteful god. Yeah, a, a lot of these actually are being being sm- smote, smite, smite, god, we just did this and I still don't remember what it is, smit. Smoked, being smote, smited, whichever. Being smited by gods. Being uh, smitten by gods. <laughs> yeah, and it's... I would say it's not... Um, it's one of those things where I say all of that. That doesn't mean that it's inherently foolish or silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the value in morale or just, like, mental comfort to having routines, having rituals that yes. give you a sense of order is incredibly valuable no matter who you are or where you are it is also a cultural practice like good luck bad luck is in itself inherently like folklore it's a culture thing it's a it's a it's a community thing it's it's a it's a conversation piece it's something that everyone knows about it's a connection to the people around you and yeah so what we're going to be talking about even if we laugh at them think they're silly like in all fronts, even if it, you know, if it's on the boat, if it's in your own, you know, neighborhood, it's it's just, it's it's a thing that is inherent to a culture. And I think that that's really cool, especially one born of such an insular specific experience. Like, there's some neat stuff in here that I was, I actually didn't know about. And I know t- too much about, <laughs> about pirate ships and boats and stuff. So this is, it's it's neat. It's very, very cool. I don't know that much. I, I think my interest tends to come at the, like, um the kind of searching for the northwest passage era of of nautical exploration where like things Mm -hmm. were already pretty mapped out except for the poles 
Because I feel like there was a period of time where you could just kind of um, sail and hit some land that you didn't recognize. <laughs> and or... it's Is it Gulliver's Travels? Uh, I know that it's it's fictional, but that element of like, there's enough confusion and or of obfuscation that you could make up some stuff about yeah, your sailing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, have Gulliver's Travels or Travels into the Several Remote Nations of the World in four parts uh, by Lemuel Gulliver, first a surgeon and then a captain of several ships in 1926. It's prose satire by the Anglo-Irish writer and clergyman Jonathan Swift, satirizing both human nature and the traveler's tales literary subgenre right it was like it was big deal i mean Mm -hmm. some of this stuff is legitimately we do have traveler's tale books Mm -hmm. or memoirs that do oh yeah provide evidence of like okay this dude did actually make it to this continent or Mm -hmm. whatever or this person encountered uh, this subgroup or animal or whatever, a lot of it is, I went, and on the foreign continents, they have dragons <laughs> and lions with human faces, mm-hmm. and they eat their babies, and it's mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, for also great, great segue to slip in real fast. It's a reminder that uh, Columbus never set foot on the, on uh, in, in America. Uh, never once. And... So fuck that guy. <laughs> also, just for many uh, reasons, but good to good to remember. You know, just a just a bad guy who bad uh, directly propagated uh, slaughter. Mm-hmm. Not just kind of in a indirect way, like directly, very yeah. A bad bad dude. A bad dude. Uh, a sailor we do not wish to remember fondly, and uh, go to defa- go to face a Columbus statue. That sounds like a fun. That sounds like a fun weekend trip. Go do that. It's fun and legal. Yeah. <laughs> I endorse it. We do. Here at Stone Houses, we endorse, uh, well. What? Vandalism? Van- yeah, why not? Anti-colonial vandalism is endorsed by me. Yeah, absolutely. And you can take that to court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were probably <sighs> some, quote unquote, good explorers but for a lot of history sailing has been associated not with uh tales of adventure or you know the guy on the ship writing things down but uh pursuit of food pursuit Mm -hmm. of trade and mercantile goods so these were mostly people doing a job who were Mm -hmm. uh on a ship a lot for possibly (laughs) Months and months and months out of the year, uh, if they were ever taking time on land, mm-hmm. uh, mostly men. Yeah, as being a woman was bad luck to be on 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 ships, which we will <laughs> mention again, I'm sure. But it's a lot of people it's hungry, of not people. being where we talk about scurvies because they didn't have uh, the right nutrients and things on these ships. Um, the extent to which sailors and sailing has shaped the world. But the people themselves who actually do the things often uh, are, I, like, the people who come back and are lauded as heroes are people who uh, are, like, sponsored as expeditionary mm-hmm. leaders, like, um, yeah. what's the name? Uh, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, 
that kind of guy. People who get remembered as like, ah, the captain of this boat yeah. aren't necessarily um, the people who who are doing most yeah. of the work on, on these vessels. Yeah, the, the names we know are very seldom the actual people who gave a shit about the exploration and the learning. And, and like, a lot of a lot of human history around the world, like, there's a lot of ocean. There's a lot of ocean. There's a lot of water. It was a, a, an effective travel method, even just, like, rivers so and water. lakes. wide. Yeah, a lot of water. Gotta get familiar with it. It's still, we still don't know a lot about the water. Um, and it, it's every every culture... Almost every culture will have some sort of connection to the water because we need it as to live as humans, but also as we expanded and, and wanted to know more. And and there are good things that came out of it and, and connections and, and like true genuine knowledge uh, or the search for knowledge in a true and genuine way and connections with other people. But there is just a lot of it is tainted by colonialism and um, things of that nature that are just really difficult to wrap our head around. So yeah. I think, I don't know, it's good to acknowledge. And also there's going to be a lot of, I think, at least on, on my end, back and forth, I'm like, oh, this really cool thing. But then also, God, let's have to remember that, you yeah. know, some of this brought a lot of terrible things for a, a lot of people. A lot of the fun and beautiful elements of globalism stem from people actually traveling and uh, being exposed to communities other than their own. Mm -hmm. I, on the whole, yeah. uh, was going to say, now me, I'm pro-boats. I like boats. <laughs> uh, we like boats over here on Fish sports. are delicious and relatively <laughs> unlikely to kill you mm. if you're on a boat. Mm. This is true. And they're, <laughs> I mean, compared to uh, hunting land animals, they, yeah. And fish have cold, dead eyes, so I don't feel any empathy <laughs> for them. <laughs> it is actually kind of funny that like of most of the general stuff i found unless it was a a creature or like a leviathan style sea monster stuff there was actually not a lot of commentary about just like fish a lot of it was their own little community above the water that wasn't a thing that was as connected despite the fact that they were literally on the ocean it's kind of cool it's interesting to think about there's also a contrast between the what i would call like workmen fishermen people who are living in coastal communities going out to fish and then coming back in the mm -hmm. evening and long haul uh fishermen or sailors who you know were either hunting something that like the whaling ships mm -hmm. uh during the height of whaling but also um people who are you know merchants uh that kind of thing. That that's kind of a distinction, and I feel like a lot of the more fun, or at least uh, <laughs> talked about sailor lore, is from the people who are out there for a long ass time. Yeah, yeah. You get you're over the fish at that point. <laughs> like you're like, yeah, they they don't bother me. Uh, I did uh, once see a horrible dark shape, and it haunts my <laughs> dreams. I love that. Yeah, that, I, I thinking about people who got, especially in an age where we don't have, I mean, even now, this isn't quite ocean stuff, but I, I, I talk about this all the time, the uh, Lake Superior, which is our great lake up here, uh, Lake Superior never gives up her dead, which is this crazy, like, amazing sentence that I, I think about quite often and finally, that this lake is, is lake. still so tumultuous and stuff like that, that it will take ships down. And there have been, I think it's over 300 recorded shipwrecks. It, it, something about that I might be getting the number wrong in uh, Lake Superior 
Um, and the there's literal science behind that wild statement. And it's that, like, of all of these shipwrecks, very, very few. I think it might be in the single digits of people, individuals, sing like, single double digits of people who have been recovered from those shipwrecks. And it's Lake Superior never gives up her dead. And it's because the lake never gets warm enough to enable... Uh, mm -hmm. decomposition on that level so like the thing that you know when bodies come back up it's called this is so gross it's called bloat and float yeah. um they don't do that because it's too cold so the lake like keeps her dead and i think that's so fascinating but there's just like this and that again that was total like lake tangent but um <laughs> classic kaylin and her lake tangent my lake tangents i, I actually love a single uh, conversation I know, I know, I'm all the time. It's never relevant, and yet, uh, but no, just even even on that level, people who are on water like that, like lakes or, or ships, still go down in, in lakes in the ocean, even with the technology and the advancements we have now. Yeah. So thinking about like 200, 300 years ago, or thousands of years ago, people faring the water, spending their whole lives on the water, getting so familiar with it, and having uh, this like. I'm sure there are people with too much, you know, the hubris of it all, but, you know, you come to revere the water, the ocean. It's this dangerous thing that you are basically giving your life to every day and, and you know, getting to know it well enough that a lot of these things will come back to, like, genuine science that people have intuited, even if they don't know what that, it, like, that kind of a thing is. One that I love a lot, the all full of water sayings today but red sky at night sailors delight red sky in the morning sailors take warning that 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 is stems from a real like hypothetical science thing that they didn't they couldn't put real words to um so it, it like it's it, it does make assumptions that storms are going to come from the west but it is kind of correct uh, in mid latitudes only but if the morning skies are red, it's because the clear skies over the horizon are letting the sun uh, uh, in the east let the light through on the undersides of these like wet clouds. And the inverse does the same thing. It's just the way that the direction is coming if the atmosphere is clear enough. So it's it's this very poetic thing that was taken as like an omen or a sign, but it, it they were yeah. interpreting the the natural world in a like a real, true, correct way, even if they didn't fully have the words for it like that kind of thing is so cool i mean i think and, mainstream ugh. academia mainstream mainstream <laughs> academia has slowly very slowly been realizing that a lot of quote-unquote folk knowledge mm -hmm. uh and stuff like that stems from actual like observable yeah. phenomena and mm -hmm. things that do genuinely help i mean sometimes it, it is the uh warding good luck bad luck please let me control my life aspect but <laughs> yeah. you know you spend a lot of time looking at something you're yeah. gonna notice patterns it's what we're best yeah. at obligatory listen to indigenous people thing they have been you know connecting with the earth in ways that we now is a you know western society and like colonist society don't and haven't ever and they know things there are things that in science we are like oh we've discovered this but it's a thing that native and indigenous cultures have been saying to well, us for years so it's it's, the, it's a lot also of it's like not to get something too deep into this as a sidebar but i think a huge part of it is that we have similar things but they are for the geographical 
land of our ancestors. <laughs> so it's it's all of those uh, millennia of exposure to a specific geographical area uh, that when you are a colonist seems alien to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it is dismissed. In yeah. retrospect, extremely silly to yeah. discount it. But, um, you know, famous disasters or um, especially in the quote-unquote uh, age of sale colonialism and onwards, like uh, 1600s onwards, the sheer amount of times that uh, European colonists had gotten themselves into an incredibly screwed up situation, were offered help by native peoples, and just mm-hmm. were like, no way, I'm a, I'd rather die in the ocean. Or took the help and and, and then, then yeah. did terrible deeds and did not, you know, it's, it, it, there are just, there is always going to be an understanding of a person and the setting with which they occupy and spend their whole life with. And it's, and I know we've talked about it in, in like vague ways before, but like, and, and now this is a very direct way of saying it, but you know, no, don't dismiss, don't dismiss, you know, traditional stories. You should learn things about the places that you're from and uh, where you live, because it's always going to be, there's always going to be a grain of truth, whether it's a cultural or like a safety or an actual genuine worldly phenomenon that is true, even if it didn't, it had different words than we would think of it now. So that was a big tangent, but I like it. <laughs> I I like it too. I don't remember <laughs> the term for it, but there was a like quote unquote trend in historical academia. I want to say like, <laughs> 20 years ago for taking folklore or myth stories and being like, aha, it's from this specific event and not from, you know, there may be grains of truth, but word of mouth and uh, the fun, how fun a story is to tell uh, yeah. has so much to do with. And oral history is also so imperative to this kind of, to, to all of, of like culture and folklore and and. People not understand. People being like, "Oh yes, the the one incident, this one inciting thing," as opposed to people talk to each other, people but, connect, <sighs> groups cross paths and share things. Like, so you know, inherently, uh, I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. Haliki, the proposed, um, essentially, there's, I forget if it's Plato or Aristotle has a account of seeing like a city submerged, and that's where myths of and either tells a story about Atlantis or that's where the myths come from. I'm not going to look it up because uh, <laughs> classics majors can come at me. Um, they, they are very powerful. I don't want to provoke them. But um, they've, they, uh, <laughs> archaeologists and specifically marine archaeologists, have done, uh, you know, digging and research at the site at the proposed site of this ancient city and found that there were like seven or eight layers of ruined cities on top oh my of God. each other because people keep <laughs> building it in the same place it's a good place to live except for when it sinks exactly. human history is very long and there's lots of time for the same thing to happen over and over <sighs> long after it's been forgotten yeah. Hey, if you build enough cities there, it can't, it can't, it's got to stop sinking at some point. You just got to just try again. Just go just one more. One more time. Just do another it's, one. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're all living in a temporary state. Nothing is permanent. 
<laughs> points out the entirety of California's infrastructure. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, don't think about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's all fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine and good. Um, since we're on more real world stuff, maybe we talk about like boat practices yeah. and like, beliefs and stuff. Um, thanks for bearing with us for the first half of the episode, getting really uh, emotional about the philosophy of all of that. Look, but we it's... haven't done this in a while, and every oh, time well... we get into a topic, it's like half, oh man, there's some garbage in here. <laughs> And half there's stuff, there's cool stuff to talk about. So let's, let's, I think that that was all very good conversation. I'm very glad that we got to do that. And I think it's all important stuff. Um, but yeah, since we're in real world stuff, I want to talk about tattoos. <laughs> I love tattoos. I, uh, I, I think like when you think of like a, a, like a caricature of a sailor, whether it's like a pirate or oh, just Popeye. like a yeah. sailor of Popeye, you think of they got the tattoos, they've got the like gruff sea dog energy, and and they've got there's a lot of tattoos. I found out, didn't realize this, a lot of the tattoos are like significant, obviously, but on a grander scale as opposed to individually. Um, this is very cool. Tattooing is possibly is theorized to be a remnant of like a very old, like early practice of covering a ship with garlands of like flowers and beautiful things that were thought to be p pleasing to the gods um, especially ones of the sea and stuff like that and so it became like a this is like a, 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 a an offering a motif to you know whoever's watching over us and now it's a personal thing now it's on it like it, it moved from ship to body which is very very cool um, so a lot of these tattoos and things were uh, like talismans or charms or for good luck or warding um, a lot of seafaring cultures like a uh... Traditionally, I think Samoans are descended from uh, seafaring culture. Who, mm -hmm. A lot of those cultures have tattoos as a very Cultural, important yeah. and normalized part of mm -hmm. uh, of daily life and aesthetic. So I I wonder if those yes. are connected. 100%. Not going to it does not going to find a link to it on this page. Uh, <laughs> however, I did look up Sea Dog. Would you like to know? what etymology online gives me as a helpful helpful reference for sea dog is it the 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 main amateur league baseball team oh my gosh how did you know um <laughs> in middle english sea hound was used to describe both walruses and beavers uh oh. that's all it gives me uh <laughs> Also Thank pirate, you, and then it gives me the uh, etymology for dog, uh, oh, just in case I was confused about that part of it. Yeah, how we got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, um, but but yeah, no, definitely it's that cult cultural exchange, the like meeting new people, and I guarantee that like I mean I'm sure many cultures were able like marking up your own skin and, and like piercings and things all you know originated separately. But when it comes to like this kind of thing, it would make total sense for tattooing to have been picked up by a, a seafaring uh, from an, from one seafaring uh, culture to another things like that actually it would be really interesting to look into the the history of tattoos i'm sure that exists and i could like read a whole novel about it very yeah. very cool but um the the tattooing on obviously on sailors um they did not invent it 
but uh, going from from uh, uh, making your boat beautiful, which still happened, to adorning yourself with these charms, I think is a really fascinating um, switch over. But there were a few things that apparently people can still point to and say, we know what that meant. And a lot of them were like, uh, I'm I'm the, the bosun, or this is just a crew member, or this person sailed around the Cape, this person has made it past the equator, like that kind of um, um, rank almost. Uh, but then there are ones that, the ones that I found uh, a little more fun for this uh, were, were the, the charms and the talismans and things like that. So the bird, a, a swallow, the bird, which is a kind of thought to be the carriers of souls lost uh, to the afterlife uh, on, on the ocean. So people would get a, a swallow tattooed. Either one, one thing I did see was for every 5,000 nautical miles they've traveled, and it is honoring the lost uh, sailors and their souls. Um, one, I didn't actually, I don't know if I'd even recognized this one before, but hold fast each uh, on each knuckle, one letter on each knuckle, um, is to give you a good grip of the rigging. (laughs) Hold fast, which is amazing. I love that. Uh, Crossed cannons is like a military naval service. There's a lot of that kind of uh, vibe. Uh, A nautical star or compass rose is is to always find your way home, to to have good direction, to, uh, you know, know your true north. Uh, And then uh, uh, crosses, I like this one a lot. A cross on each foot is uh, wards off sharks. Oh, nice. They see it and it's like um it's like when you're underage and you go to like a comedy club or like a a, a venue uh, and they say, "Oh, that one you don't get any drinks. You're underage." But for you're the sharks age, it's like gonna... not going to eat that one. <laughs> not not oh, dang. Oh, dang. Oh, darn. <laughs> But I thought that was very, very cool. I think I know we are a tattoo, very tattoo friendly household and it's, uh, uh, ooh, someone's got a new tattoo. Show off, show off. We want to (laughs) see. So I thought that was all very, very fun. Um, And another thing, uh, just like ship wide practices, again, very real life things um, like ship christening is such a uh, like fun concept to me um i found they apparently used to like you christen the ship obviously if you think like a wine or champagne bottle or a bottle of alcohol you know you shatter it on the hull when it Mm -hmm. takes its first drink i didn't realize they also did blood and one of them specified human blood and then later i found one they're like yeah they also used to do human blood i was like sweet kind of makes sense feed the ship but yeah, human and animal have been used. I, I am disappointed that uh, traditional human christenings don't involve smashing a wine <laughs> bottle over an infant's head. They're usually covered in blood, though. They are. <laughs> um, and then uh, the things like like little bad luck things in there. So like if you the bottle doesn't break, it's bad luck. If there's like a ribbon cutting ceremony and the ribbon doesn't cut, it's a bad omen, that kind of a thing. For some reason, it just calls to mind the... Uh... Elon Musk breaking the window of his unbreakable car. It's like an inverse version. Good. Good. For, yeah. Amazing. Get wrecked. Um, but, and, and uh, I love boat names. Um, boat my names. parents have a cabin near a marina. And so, like, I love looking at the boat names. But uh, I read that uh, often, like, a lot of vessels were often given female names. Like, women names is what you think of if they don't have, like, a fanciful name. But they're bad luck. It's to become... I know, but no women on the boat. It's just the boat. Um, it's it's a token of becoming a bride to a god of the sea. Oh, well, um, I guess... Which is apparently a reason that they're a lot of the times referred to as she or her. I don't know how valid that is, but it is a thing I saw. I guess it... <laughs> I like the image of um, boats as a, like... Queen bee covered in tiny males. 
<laughs> so true. That's how that's how it evens out is that they have kind of a hive mechanism yeah. going on. Love that. Yeah, and you don't you can't rename her. That's another thing that's that's very frowned oh, upon. Really? That's, that's likely to get yeah smited by some sort of deity. Don't rename a ship. Very bad luck. Um, which we could let's talk about bad luck. That's that's a uh, there's I love the good luck bad luck like hierarchy especially in this. There's so much fun stuff we can talk about. There's like a, a someone called Jonah, a, a, a not th- Jonah. quite their name but like a Jonah is a person a, a passenger or a sailor someone on the boat who is considered bad luck. Um, based on the prophet Jonah. Um, yeah. Clergymen are also considered bad luck because they are all Jonah's ilk. But calling someone Jonah is bad luck. You think like Jonah the whale. Like, <laughs> it's going to get eaten by a big old fish. Yep, bad luck, bad luck. Um, the albatross, uh, this is a kind of cited in the Rime of the Ancient Mariner. Uh, it's very unlucky to kill an al- albatross. In the poem, the narrator killed the bird, and then his fellow sailors eventually force him to wear the dead bird around his neck as penance for his crime. But yeah, that's bad. Bad, bad, bad. Don't kill an albatross. Or, or swallow, because again, those have your friends' souls in them if they've passed. Fun fact, um, not gonna say for sure whether or not this is apocryphal, but it is something that <laughs> is quoted. The idea that Viking ships would have n- not necessarily seabirds on them, but uh, land quote-unquote, land birds like, uh, like, corvids, birds that can't, like, lock their wings and just glide Mm -hmm. like seabirds can, um, essentially having, expecting them to have better vision and for them to only start, like, departing the ship when there was somewhere for them to land. So that as a method of identifying land. Uh, yes, okay. Uh, they're saying that according to the naval legend... Uh, mm-hmm. From Vikings keeping crows, or uh, or ravens on the ship. So yeah, corvids because they're they're real smart, um, very smart little guys. There's no, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for that, but still pretty good. It's a cool story. It's very reminiscent of like canary in a coal mine kind of a thing, like oh, using yeah. a bird as a a directional thing. Which honestly, if that were a true thing, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's pretty smart. Um, well, it's a it's a biblical thing too, isn't it? Um, the the Noah Noah's, oh yeah, boat, a, a bird brought back an olive branch, brought back something, and there it, it was a sign that there was land. Um, it, that's very cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, that being a commonality, even if it isn't true and more of conjecture, that's very cool. It's a very cool thing. Yeah, you don't the birds. You don't like you don't 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 fuck with the birds. They they tend to be fa- fans of them, <laughs> fans of them on boats. <laughs> Seabirds cool they lack their wings uh oh i think cormorants are also in yes those are on the good side yeah 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 where it's like uh that's a good little guy well they're also pretty dang good at catching fish aren't they uh probably i mean it makes sense if they're near water scary to be a fish and just get swooped up (laughs) just get just get got fishes (laughs) get got um, let's see, miscellaneous. Oh, my, my list of just, like, one-offs. The uh, miscellaneous bad luck. Having bananas on a ship. What? Specifically a private boat or a fishing yacht. Mm-hmm. Considered bad. Why bad not luck. banana? I don't know why I banana. I feel banana. That feels counterintuitive. Is, does, do bananas have, bad, like, anti-scurvy measures? What, what do you, do, do they have? Or is that... Banana. Spanish great source of vitamin C. If you, if you're having scurvy. <laughs> 
Bananas in amounts greater than 25 grams daily as a supplement to a diet of rolled oats can prevent the onset of scurvy. Oh. Hmm. Uh, maybe. It was... Hmm. A... I don't know. I don't have any any funny thing to say about that. That's funny and weird. That's fine. Um, What's the video game? What's the, the Sea of Thieves? You got you got Crunch a banana? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, bear, bad luck. That's why everybody's sinking their ships all the time, because you're eating bananas. Oh, well, this is claiming... Um, sorry. This is claiming that uh, bananas are supposed to be bad luck to recreational fishermen, which makes me wonder if it has anything to do with if it's like a more modern myth. Yeah, I mean, it was listed for private boat or fishing yacht, specifically. Oh no, my yacht. My banana yacht. <laughs> my banana yacht. So I guess I guess it wouldn't be, you wouldn't have to worry about scurvy, probably. Ape I escape bad, or bad Donkey on? Kong, just like a, on a boat filled to the brim with bananas. <laughs> Get wrecked. Oh. But yeah, no, bananas, bad luck on certain boats. Uh, redheads, bad luck on boats. Is the redhead thing just just like uh, a biblical redheads being rare therefore evil kind of deal yeah oh i'm 100 percent sure yeah that's probably it r.i.p uh yeah like i said women bad luck but for some reason pregnant women specifically listed as not bad luck so not good luck but not bad luck Hmm. um they're somehow evened out by the developing fetus i guess yeah, I think I think it's like a temptation thing. So if a one's pregnant, apparently uh, people are like, gotcha. I don't know. I think that's what it is, but there are other levels to it. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes the most intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whistling, bad on boat. Uh, it's a it's the same as challenging the wind and the god, and it would maybe piss off the gods because you'll it, you, you whistled whistled at the wind and you're goading them, and so they'll summon a storm. Like I said, a lot of, a lot of angering gods. I mean, when you don't uh, know what's happening, and you saw like one guy whistling, and then your boat got totaled, you're like, "That we love patterns." That jerk. There's mm-hmm. a chapter in the uh, kind of fantasy manga Mushishi about a mm-hmm. uh, young man who is like unknowingly summoning these like uh, piercing entities by whistling. It, oh. It's a lot more surreal and spooky in the context than what I just said. <laughs> you should read it. It's good. Love it. Very That's subtle. Very, fun. very pretty. Well, it's all built in. All the stories all the way down, man. We got it's, it's built in. We love storytelling. It's humans. It's it's all connected. What was what's next? Uh, this one uh, this is a Scandinavian superstition, which is never bring a priest. Um, apparently there are powers and deities that govern lakes and oceans, and you don't want to risk offending them by having a man of God aboard. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, weren't... I want to say that there was a kind of understanding for a period of time that sailors were kind of inherently pagans because they kind of mm. lived by different rules. Yeah. Uh, and they you couldn't really force them into the same, uh, same thing and have them still be doing their jobs. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, oh, I, I do like this one. Um, don't build a ship out of black walnut. What? Um, because black black walnut was a common wood used for coffins. What, what, black walnut? They're too small. You can't make a <laughs> boat out of that. Make a whole boat out of walnuts. A little boat for an ant sailor. A little boat. A little boat. Aww. That's the boat we sent the creature crunch off into the Viking funeral. Man, in my tiny little guy. Walnut shell. No. 
no, the the tree, uh, the wood from the black walnut tree. But yeah, I because gotcha. we use that for um for expensive coffins in the U.S. And so that's Ooh. apparently just tempting, tempting fate. Uh, that's a lot of that. Tempting fate is is a kind of a big uh, a thing that you will get in trouble for. Uh, and a lot of things can be considered tempting fate. The whistling, the uh, brain, some literally someone named Jonah, uh, anything uh, just hurting, you know, like an albatross uh, or some of those birds. Like it's, yeah. you are tempting fate. That is kind of the the uh, onus for a lot of these. Um, this one I found very funny. Uh, it's unlucky to use the word pig at sea. You're supposed to say hog or sow instead, but on land it was perfectly safe to do so. However, and this we can uh, flip over into good luck after this, images of a pig and a hen were good luck. Because most of the smaller, this is very fun, because most of the smaller livestock on these ships would float in their wooden crates if there was like a shipwreck. Um, So they would be one of the survivors in these wrecks. So images... I was imagining a tiny little pig and a hen floating on the sea. But saying pig is bad luck. Little hog. Little hog. Little sow. Okay. Yeah, we can swap to to good luck. I love good luck. It's I great. love good luck. Um, a lot of animal good luck. Um, and it's this one was listed specifically to British and Irish sailors. Um, but they would consider adopting a black cat... Um, for the ship's cat Yay. would bring good luck. Um, and so they were just very like a, a classical Egyptian, a lot of care and love and affection um, was directed to keeping them happy. Um, and very much to, to an obvious degree, you know, hunting rats and pests. But there is also, again, that apotropaic, um, this is a good luck thing. Um, they are said to have miraculous powers that would protect ships from dangerous weather. Um, they could uh, they could start storms through magic stored in their tails, which oh I love. Um, and if a ship's cat fell or was thrown overboard um it was thought that it would immediately summon a terrible storm to sink the ship um and that if the ship was able to survive it would be cursed with nine years of bad luck which i love that's very fun and poetic to me i do like that a lot of the good luck bad luck stuff i mean there's some irrational things but also the element of like maybe just don't be a dick to animals exactly yeah like you know what the basis of so much lore like like this is uh, very real classic aesop slash uh like Vasilis, <laughs> that element of like, hey, don't be a dick to stuff that's smaller than you for no reason. Yeah, yeah. You're just, just a little guy. He's just a little guy. Just asking for it. <laughs> um, I did like this. There were a couple of things that apparently cats, you could watch them and, and divine things about the future or the world. And um, if a cat licked its fur against the grain, it meant there was a hailstorm coming. Um, oh if it God. sneezed, We're it meant danger. rain. Uh, and if it was frisky, it meant yeah. wind. And I don't know what that means, but if a cat's frisky, it means there's going to be wind. Frisky. Frisky. <laughs> frisky business. Frisky business. Um, but yeah, lots and lots on cats. I'm sure, truly, I'm sure we could do an episode about cats on boats If you exclusively. ever are feeling a little bit sad, look up Ship's Cat and you'll get some photos of little cats with their own hammocks or their own it's little okay. hats or just truly crew, just crew bored men on a ship entertaining <laughs> themselves with pictures of cats yeah we love that what we else are you gonna do yeah right uh, the next thing i have is that it's considered lucky to touch the collar of a sailor suit that was made up by a sailor i'm sure it was <laughs> 
And that's very, like, that's very era. Like, that has, a, that to, in my mind, evokes a very specific period of time. Like, this was not happening in, like, for pirates. Like, that is not... Yeah. <laughs> This feels very, like, Navy. Um, that makes me wonder but, who it's good luck for, because, like, being a sailor is inherently dangerous, but also, like, someone on land might regard seeing a sailor as, like, oh, I saw a, a white horse, or... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's rare. for, for the land lovers or whatever. Anything. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, no, no. no. It, makes, it makes sense. I saw as Or if you're my grandma, I, we saw a white raccoon. Ooh! Ooh, an albino raccoon? Two of them, two babies. <gasps> they they caught them on the uh, 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 wildlife camera Ooh. for like two summers. I'll try to find some photos. I'll show them to you. Little guys. <laughs> it's I it's as if you saw an albino raccoon because <laughs> that's people. That's that common saying that uh, <laughs> frequently. I love them and their little about. human hands. I know, I know. The video of the raccoon trying to wash cotton candy. <laughs> it disappears, and it gets so sad. <laughs> It has nothing to do with this. Um, <laughs> uh, it, we talked about the uh, cormorants were considered good omens by Scandinavians um, who believed that, oh, these guys were the spirits, also the spirits of loved ones lost at sea. Um, which is, you know, wistful. Yeah, I've heard, there's, I've yeah, heard variations where birds are also heavily associated with, like, uh, being close to land with that same, like, Viking myth. Yes, 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 yes. It's pretty neat. I like that a lot. And it, again, it's a thing that makes sense because if you're in the dead of the ocean and there is no land around, you're not going to see birds. Like there is, it, it, to a certain extent, a lot of birds and like avian creatures are still going to need land at some point, yeah. even if they can float on water. There's that you get to a point where like there aren't going to be as many fish even closer, close enough to the surface for them to get. So seeing a bird is going to just by logic mean land ahoy kind of a thing there is something so, really th funny cool. and uh and uh out of sync to the idea of like you got a pirate ship and then next to it it's a little it's a little duck it's a little duck it's a little, little guy just little floating buddy? there and love yeah yeah i wish i could float oh. on the ocean like that right be fun well like te technically like you can on the ocean because the salt content it's easier to float we're used to lake, but like little, which doesn't have salt, so we are less buoyant. Little puff. But if we go to ocean, just on top, we a little more, a little more floaty. I just go think being a duck would be pretty cool, but also being <laughs> birds Waterproof and feathers. you know what? All wild animals have it pretty tough. <laughs> that is so true. So true. You know the the song, uh, the stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's by Steeler's Wheel, not the monkeys. I got really confused. I got excited because I was like, the monkeys had a member called Davy Jones? That's awesome. We're definitely, Davey we're going to talk about Davy Jones here. Uh, he, it's so funny looking at the picture of this guy because he has what would con be considered like a modern like boy idol haircut. But he has, a. but he is clearly like, in 1960 mm. and the way it's styled is a little more Beatles than K-pop but um, David Thomas Jones uh, I don't know why I got really confused about the monkeys doing a song by Steeler's <laughs> Wheel but here we are there 
But no, I think that's great. Let's talk about Davy Jones. I think that kind of thing is very, very fun. Less creature and more just like lore figure, like lore figure. Um, for those you people have probably heard he's the name Davy Jones, Davy Jones Locker. Devilish. Yeah, he, he's he's almost always like evil aligned, very menacing, a powerful either seafarer or like ethereal uh, entity. Um, he's basically he he runs whatever is the owner of of the domain of Davy Jones Locker, which of course not like high school locker, the old timey mm-hmm. slang for like a chest or a trunk, um, where. He, go to die one of the rare uh male malicious mm-hmm. figures yeah yeah so true it's not a lot of, there are quite a few malicious women in, in on the ocean however that's true well, i think kind traditionally the ocean is seen as feminine i don't yeah. know the origin associated with the moon of that yeah uh but the element of the ocean being seen as feminine and therefore stuff like scylla and uh charybdis yeah. charybdis Charybdis? Yeah, I think Charybdis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Charybdis, uh, uh, harpies and Romans. sirens, mm-hmm. feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does make sense to me that that a male, um, a male malefactor is what I was gonna say <laughs> is relatively factor? new, but mm. I I say new when I mean like the age of sail, which is not yes. not yeah, like yeah, recent, yeah. but not ancient. Yeah. I, I mean, just very, very briefly, while we have mentioned the femme fatales of the ocean, I saw a thing that said that uh, some mermaids were described as, like, monstrous size or, like, scale up to, like, 2,000 feet or, like, 600 and some meters long. Exactly. And I was like, I, I don't know how I have never heard that before, but um, we we have to do a mermaid episode at some point. I feel like it was going to happen anyways, but now, because I'm freaking obsessed with that visual specifically, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan. Just the element of I I enjoy all kind of hybrid chimera creatures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's a saying that all centaurs are hot, and mermaids <laughs> are a type of centaur. So true. I, we have spent a while. I'm pretty sure we've had a, a similar talk about this before. Except it ended with you sending me a screenshot from like a dating sim where it was like a horse. Oh yeah, the a guy with horse. the Yeah, really screwed up. Like. I ended up reading a thing about that, and it's not oh, no. even, like, an act... Oh, God. Sorry. And it's not even actually a, like, a horse man. It's, like, a girl <laughs> who just sees a horse as a human man. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, boy. But I, oh, boy. It does also make me think of um, the book Ella Enchanted. Uh, <laughs> centaurs are... Have human faces and bodies but have the intelligence of horses so oh they're treated as livestock which i found so holy shit creepy and just because it does play into like some of the themes of the book but also it's really like oh that's weird that's never heard that that's before so that's so scary actually that's like a horror just like movie a human concept. a human man happily munching on some hay with that's, his that's blank, like, a, yeah. like she describes his eyes as like like there's something dumb and animal about his eyes and oh i was like oh God. boy dead fish eyes that's no. weird um, <laughs> also like i do feel like horses so and a lot of uh livestock have they very animated like, and intelligent yeah. seeming eyes but this is true yeah think that, like a cow just looking just, just be because i really like them i think they're cute yeah that's so scary anyways davy jones um <laughs> he's kind of a devil and uh, like analog um 
I did like this. This is the thing that I didn't know before this was that it, it said that the souls of if you have done wrong, if you are a sinner, if you are, have done bad deeds in your life uh, as a sailor, um, you will go to Davy Jones's locker when you drown. I love that when you drown, not if you were to drown, but like <laughs> when you drown. <laughs> no, but as, as a someone who was a sailor who was drowned as a means of death, um, and if you had lived a poor life, uh, sorry, not quite that a, a you were a poor ex expert of a human being you did bad things you will go to essentially the bottom of the ocean version of hell um it's apparently located somewhere specifically near the equator uh, at the bottom of the ocean so you your soul gets sent to this trunk of, of davy jones um uh, there was a lot of stuff about like the origin of the name and this is again a whole this could be a whole episode but there are a lot of theories about like what there was an actual david jones who was a pirate in the 1630s there was uh, a pub owner who kidnapped sailors and then dumped them into like passing oh, it's ships not, it's not after um, the monkeys guy it should be he, he past tense inspired david jones i we could let's we could just start making stuff up on this show and who would know would we just <laughs> no, know. we're not doing that we're going to do an episode actually talking about that uh, in the future. But um, <laughs> uh, there is there was I like this. The incompetent Duffer Jones, a notoriously myopic sailor who often found himself overboard. Oh. I think that's very funny. I doubt that's the origin, but it would be extremely funny if it were. That's like a case of like, oh, you've got to get a different job if yeah, your yeah, eyesight is you. leading to you. Maybe they don't mean literally myopic. <laughs> Maybe they just mean like. Uh, like Small minded or yeah. like. Yeah. And uh, subsequently yeah. much overboard due to people hucking him? Hucking him I over? I guess. That's kind of funny. Just trip that guy. It's just somebody, somebody go, somebody go, somebody go trip Duffer. Just like, somebody, somebody knock him overboard, please. In his own head. Just thinking about stuff. Yeah. Just living, just living his life. He's the, he's the, he's there for the cat and that's all. And, but like, really he should get something, something else going on. Um... Rest in peace. But uh, yeah, the 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 alternate. So you would have this was so Davy Jones was kind of popularized and popularized in the 19th century. Um, but so it was you can go to hell, which is the the trunk at the bottom of the ocean, or you can go to Fiddler's Green, which is is a depiction of it, the alternate that I haven't heard of before. The, oh. This kind of thing where either you go to the bottom of the ocean or you go to Fiddler's Green, which is this like lush green field as opposed to like the heavens and the sky and this like air where you go to this this green lush paradise i love it uh, of a field and fiddlers who play forever and ever and dancers who never get tired and it's just this basically you get to go have a lovely party and you get sung to and played music to kind of as, reminds or me of, um, you go to the trunk at the bottom of the ocean old king cole <laughs> old king cole was a merry old soul was yeah just like merry old and soul then we had a big Fiddle party and everyone dance mm -hmm. on a table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is actually... Fiddler's Green is one of those phrases that I've heard but had not ever associated it with uh, with the sea, yeah. probably because of the green it's part. The green part. And you'd, you'd think the opposite of the bottom of the ocean would be you'd want, you would be closer to uh, having the opposite be like a heavenward thing. But no, it's a field. Ooh, I think I that's really this. cool. The bottom of this uh, Wikipedia article lists some similar things uh which include big rock candy mountain <laughs> yes. cocaine uh yep paradise Kiernanog, uh a thing i'm definitely pronouncing wrong <laughs> uh, and that kind of just like list of of you know elysiums and paradises and i just yeah. think i love the variations uh yes in 
the we for men are the knack mcfeagles who believe that the world that they're currently living in what everyone else thinks of as the living world uh is heaven uh because it is the place where they do nothing but drink and eat and fight <laughs> uh, so they all believe that they've done a great job in their last life awesome that's awesome <laughs> and and if they die in this world they're just going back to the real world and they'll come back here eventually that's really cool cyclical you know it's all cycles that's just so imagine on, on. like murderous smurfs <laughs> god on on music and like dancing and the fiddler even like big rock candy mountain kind of a thing one of the things i love so much about this is that a lot of these stories and things and even like when it goes to like work songs are, are like all those stories are, are passed along in in song um work song or like sea songs versus sea shanties shanties are usually like folk songs like work songs where they would time like raising like hoisting of sails and things um or rowing that's when you think of like shanty they're more like instructional or to keep time mm -hmm. um and then like sea songs were more for like that fun element like you do a little dance at the end of the day there you know there's no more wind there's no more tide you're just you just gotta you know just float for the night everybody you know you tell a song there's like improv kind of like improvised lyrical things um and I, we've talked about this bird and i i love i love like folk songs like that work songs sea shanties that flavor of stuff so this was so so cool um, to know that, like, a lot of these things in, in a cultural and in a, in a lore sense are passed in song, which is not uncommon. But I love this particular brand of song. Um, there's, like, generically, these get called sing-outs. Um, uh, but even before they were called shanties, um, they were called uh, singing out. This is an excerpt from Richard Henry Dana. Uh, who wrote, The wind was whistling through the rigging, loose open ropes flying about. Loud and, to me, unintelligible orders, constantly given and rapidly executed, and the sailors singing out at the ropes in their hoarse and peculiar strains. Um, and I think that that's really, really cool, um, as, as stories or as uh, uh, practices or even literally functionality down to sailing the ship um, is done in, in song or in rhythm. Um, and that's yeah. it's, very it's cool to me. Sad to read. Uh, I have article on sea shanties open... Uh, the element of how uh, switches to steamships and other mechanical processes Ooh. led to a death of like practical use yeah. for them, but yeah. uh, of course, uh, reborn. Mm -hmm. What was the one that went around recently? The uh, oh, the Weller Man. There once was a ship that went to sea. Yet another thing where I heard about the trend about six months after it happened. I was like, oh, I know that song. Uh, we should get we should we haven't done a we haven't done music in a while we should sing some we should, we should learn some shanties yeah they're great Yada. easy easy to learn yeah <laughs> easy to learn very fun to sing too um but yeah anyway side tangent about music just because the shanties and work songs and especially like again this very insular community on a boat you and your crew for possibly months at a time like that's all you get real close and you get you make stuff you you have this connection and when that is, is music it's beautiful it is. We're saying that uh, there's a lot of speculation that the development of shanties on boats came from uh, from people from Africa uh, importing uh, their practice of work songs. Uh, but there's also the uh, <laughs> and that you know brings to mind the shadow of, of slavery. Yes. Uh, yes. But it does yes. also bear mentioning that singing and working and uh, 
communal activities like that, very human, uh, very, very universal. Human. They may have brought, there may have been tunes and things that got brought. I actually read a, a few things about sailors ending up in, in uh, you know, places unknown to them and, and like observing music of the cultures, you know, and again, there's always the, you know, the, For sure. the scale of, of how, you know, positive or negative that interaction ended up going, but like uh, recollections from sailors of music and, and teaching songs to each other uh, of, of people they've met or uh, to each other, on, ver meaning on the ship. Um, but yeah, there was, there's always going to be that osmosis there where, where people are sharing um, across in that way. But yeah, it definitely pulled probably, I'm sure, from cultures and groups that there, they met. But like you said, very hum a very human thing that they probably would have done regardless. A kind of beautiful phenomena that you get to see specifically from the early parts of globalism where writers and people who are traveling before society or, you know, people had established what they were supposed to think of foreign people in foreign lands, describing them with, like, awe and appreciation of beauty. It's only once a archetype was decided by whatever <laughs> the mainstream was that start stuff starts to get ugly. And obviously, I'm sure not every first contact was great, but uh, yeah. generally in that first stage where uh, there had not been yet established... <laughs> the yeah. kind of uh people hadn't done like the cultural posturing uh cultural yeah. and racial posturing necessary to justify whatever thing they were going to do uh that there's true appreciation and joy in seeing yeah. these things that uh Making they had never seen before yeah there is good in it and there was there were good elements to it it's just yeah hard we can't extricate them from each other it's we can't talk about one without acknowledging the other so, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, pe people making connections is, is really a lot of what this, you know, where this, the core conceit of this show is, is, you know, that's, that's what stories are. Um, but yeah, the music is, a, is, is, is such a universal thing to humans. And so that would have been an interesting, I don't know, like a, a lovely thing that on a, on a better, more, you know, malice lacking interaction would have been a really easy thing to share. And that's, that's really cool. Uh, do we have more creatures? Do you want to talk about mirages? I know we've been running for a while. Ooh, I mean, I think we're fine having a life. We want to have a long episode. I think we can. This is a big topic. Um, I want to hear about mirages. I actually don't have any research on that. Oh. So I, yes, I want to hear you talk about mirages. Yeah, so uh, as we know, there was a period of time where the globe had not been circumnavigated <laughs> and Google Maps had not yet uh, photographed from satellite and confirmed <laughs> Uh, how many continents there were. Uh, there was a phenomenon of like, because people were out traveling and they'd see things in the distance and they'd yeah. say, I saw a continent. Or So there's like this whole list of supposed continents and islands that in modern day simply don't exist. Uh, there's debate as to whether in <laughs> some cases these were sightings happening in the Arctic and Antarctic, in which case it could be, you know, ice flows or ice, temporary yeah. uh, land masses that later disappeared when people came large, back to map them. Large animal up there. Lots oh. of lots of big lots of big guys up there that could be also mistaken for in the distance. Lots of that big looks guys. like a shape in the water. Um, but there's also the element of uh, mirages because you can see a long distance. You see that horizon. You get visual distortions. Uh, the term that 
uh, gets associated a lot with these kind of false land masses or boats, uh, and even Davy Jones and sightings of his <laughs> ghost ship is the Fata Morgana, Fata Morgana. I'm going to say Fata Morgana because it's Italian. Uh, so Fata Morgana is the term used for a kind of, it, it's really interesting. You should look it up because it does look almost like a kind of digital distortion, like a missing no for some reason comes <laughs> to mind. Um, because you get these layers of just repeated visual input uh, of repeated information. So you get like mirroring of actual objects, but you will also get like straight up heat haze slash uh, atmospheric uh, mirages. Uh, and they're specifically, these are talking about the ones that are seen in the Strait of Messina, which is, um, you know, between uh, Italy and another part of Italy. Sorry, it's between, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, if, I don't know how this Somewhere works out. Uh, narrow strait between the eastern tip of Sicily and the western tip, tip of Calabria. Hmm. Apparently, both Italy. <laughs> um, so, you get actual mirages that are occurring without visual stimuli, but you also get mirages that are like echoing or doubling things that are actually there Ooh, uh, yeah. and creating quote-unquote like castles in the sky stuff like that so cool. Uh, That's so cool and they change a lot they're spooky they're cool uh but you do have a big list of like the flying dutchman davy jones's ship is often <laughs> attributed to yep, yep. visual mirages because you know can make those ships so cool yeah it's pretty cool phantom islands is the term <laughs> for these land masses uh, I, I enjoy both, <laughs> I enjoy both versions of like, maybe it's just ice, maybe it's just a, <laughs> a, like a weird illusion, but, uh, you got some cool stuff, especially in the, I don't know what you would call it, the age of, uh, icebreakers, where you had a mm. lot of people, like, just getting stuck and then disappearing <laughs> into the wild. <laughs> Yeah, Never to yeah. be seen again. <laughs> Cold and water. Uh, yeah. yeah. In excess. Scary. Bad. Yeah. Danger. Too Big much danger. of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. Also, coming from uh, the Midwest, where we get, you know, sometimes get, like, negative 70 wind chill or whatever. It, it, cold, cold and wet. Bad. Very deadly. You're, then you're done, so. we also get the hot, hot. Because and we also get the cursed. hot, hot. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, one thing, seeing other ships... Like in a place you're not expecting them, oh, or something true. like that. Probably also, and I think of that because of ghost ships. Some of them are like, it's the, if it's the lore of if it's a ghostly vessel, like the vessel itself is is a, a, a ghostly figure or or uh, um, not quite tangible. Uh, but some ghost ships are genuinely like physical, actual derelicts found that were like just drifting with. Oh, their wild. crew was either missing or dead um, or it was like you know taken and lost or or came loose from something or the crew was killed by you know everyone got sick or or worse or something weird or the ship was just let go after being raided by pirates mm -hmm. um and so if you're seeing a ship 
I mean, one, as a ghost ship, that's extremely cool. Um, but two, seeing a ship where it's not supposed to be moving in a way it shouldn't be, but it's because it's unmanned, mm-hmm. is also would be a fascinating thing like to see in the distance and think, oh, that's land, that's a creature, that's a ghost ship, kind of. The element um, of... Uh, cool. Just because it's... The open ocean is so big, like, once you're out yeah. of port. Yes. Th- there's an element to it. I feel like the um, modern land equivalent would be, like, being on a deserted... Uh, rustic road and seeing a single <laughs> car moving very slowly towards yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, spooky. Oh, just a pair of headlights in the night where you're not expecting to see them kind of a thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, another I mean, gr- gr- growing up on a farm, like, we weren't, we didn't have, you know, hundreds of acres or anything. We could hear and see our neighbors and stuff, but there were, like, areas where you don't expect to see stuff. And if it's, like, dark... And suddenly there's a light uh, in the field, and you know there's just there's just there's just uh, beans in that one. Why is there a light like that kind of a thing? Very spooky, very spooky to see a thing where you, where your brain is telling you it shouldn't. So a lot of like ghost stories and things like that are rooted in that sort of thing, where yeah. the, the the reverse of the pattern recognition in our brain, where this is a pattern that's being broken as opposed to a pattern I'm recognizing, and it is scary. That not, like fight or flight instinct is very not cool. to rag too much on like ghost believer stuff, but you see a lot of this imagery, and it's like you know that both your eyes and cameras can encounter any number of distortions. Uh, it's like, gosh, we're just so good at those patterns. And we get a little we little hit of dopamine for it. We love a pattern. We love like, a pattern. Oh, I recognize it. I'm not going to get killed by the jaguar. <laughs> Ugh. So cool. Uh, I'm gonna speed run a bunch of creatures, Go and then I've got oh this gonna be a long, long episode. But I think I think that's okay. This is a fun one, and I think we had some got to talk about some cool stuff. Um, we talked to mention very briefly the femme fatale, so like sirens, scylla, charybdis, um, mermaids, selkies, harpies, sirens, whatever. Lady um, bad, sirens, sirens lady twice. ocean, La- scary lady in the ocean, sexy Ooh. scary lady, sexy scary lady. Um, I found a thing called uh uh. Klebauterman, yeah, which is a little German thing. Um, it, it comes from the the German verb uh, klebastern, meaning rumble or to make a noise. It's, um, I it's like a little ship gnome, a little ship a little gremlin. Sh- it's a type of kobold or or goblin, sh- possibly ship, ship goblin is real. They're help. They're they're an apotropaica. They're helpful. They help sailors and fishermen. And you, they're like I love this. A merry and diligent creature, um, with an expert understanding of most watercraft and an irrepressible musical talent. Um, they rescue sailors who get washed overboard. Um, oh. And you, uh, you'll see a little carved. They're called in, in pl- the plural is uh, uh, Um So you'd see klebautermenner, like the imagery of them in uh, like of a small sailor dressed in a yellow with a tobacco pipe and like a wooden uh, a woolen sailor's cap, um, carrying like a, a caulking hammer. Um, uh, and so stuff like that is attached to. Oh my god, we didn't even get into like living mastheads. So that's a whole other thing. But like they're attached to the 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 mast of the ship um, or the front, uh, and that's a symbol. That's another good luck symbol. Um, but the their the omen associated with them, which I actually do really enjoy, is they are very positive, um, uh, and and it's it's a good good to have their presence. But a a, a member of a ship, uh, no member of a ship blessed by his presence shall ever set eyes on him. He only ever becomes visible to the crew of a doomed mm-hmm. ship. So if you see him, you're boned. But if you know he's there, you know if good stuff's happening, you know he's there. But you'll never see him. 
um, which I think is very fun. There is a period in the, there's like a, a part in One Piece where the ship is actively falling apart and they're like rushing to rescue uh, a member of the crew. And <laughs> after, like after the boat has been destroyed, the going Mary like appears to save them and they get like this last spectral image of like the outline of the club outerman being like i just wanted to carry you a little longer and it you may be wondering did i cry horribly about a boat and i fucking did yeah yeah they're really cool no i love i love them they're very very cute um it's i i think that was i had not ever heard of that before and i do think that that is very fun and sweet very like just a little just a little guy yeah it makes sense that um i feel like fairies and um no, you know, little folk doing their thing. Yeah, very, very fey folk energy on this one. I guess I, I never would have associated it with a boat just because, like, a boat is relatively small and easy to search where you'd be like, I'd fucking know if there was a gnome on this boat. <laughs> but, I mean, this one, you don't get to know. If you see it, you're bummed, so don't look for it, you know? They're <laughs> tempting, tempting fate, tempting fate to look for one. The the inverse is sea goblins, like with that E in there. <laughs> like on sea the Sea goblins. Yeah. <laughs> on the wing of the plane. They're, they're uh, predicted possibly a precursor to modern gremlins. I don't know. But usually there is a solitary goblin that will set up shop on a on a ship to tangle the ropes, misplace things, and scare sailors. Um, and seeing, again, seeing the goblin is, quote, a powerful portent of doom. So that's fun. <laughs> I want I want to meet cute of the, those two, the goblin <laughs> and the sea goblin. Um they're both existing on the same boat. I love um, that. And then we get to this is again all of these could be their own episode. I just feel like they're just good mentions, like the the uh, cosmic horror or like sea monster level creature. So like the like krakens, leviathans, um, uh, uh, Gunder, like the North Norse mythology, uh, the sea serpents, uh, Scylla, Crybdis, the devil whale, um, that sort of a thing. Uh, one thing I saw specifically mentioned the whole ocean. And I was like, God, so true. The whole ocean is <laughs> is the cosmic horror. Uh, so that was a very fun, very fun follow. Uh, in just general, in like sea serpents. Um, and also sea serpents, a thing that could be an authentic sighting, uh, but just it's not the thing they actually, you know, thought they saw. Uh, it, like oarfish, huge guys. It's like we have that one photo of a giant squid. Yeah. From bycatch. <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very fun. Um uh, so yeah, bigger the big stuff again. All of these could be single episodes, so just kind of pointing out things and. As the octopus lady wow. on YouTube says, the ocean is just full of little freaks. It really is. It is so true. Full of little freaks. I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. I did see a single like thirty second clip of uh, the going of the going Mary's quote unquote funeral and immediately started crying. <laughs> Oh no! Well, let's 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 we'll bring her back down, um, and uh, we can call that all of the stuff. Yeah, that was a this is a full one. This is a good good full episode. Um, we're gonna do a brief pit stop in pop culture corner, but not in the way we normally do. Um, I have written down in my notes pop culture. No, uh, so 
we are going to be skipping pop culture corner for the foreseeable future. Um, and in lieu of that, I would like to give a shout out to all of the folks on the picket line right now. Um, everyone else, I highly recommend you check out the Entertainment Community Fund and other mutual aid groups um, to support the folks who are on strikes while productions are paused as they fight for the things they are base level owed uh, and better work conditions and and ownership of, of the things that they create and uh, having a say in, in the creations and things they bring into the world. Uh, all very, very good causes. We love uh, the strikes and uh, the strikers and the unions and we support it uh, completely. Uh, Y'all rock and we love you. Uh, everyone consider checking out entertainmentcommunity.org to donate and get resources. Keep it up, um, folks. Uh, in ways to support. So I, I think that, that's my, that's Pop Culture Corner this week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thinking about boats. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Stone Houses. Oh, Our next you. episode will go up eventually. Um, we got some stuff happening. Burn has an announcement, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, myself, along with the artist Jack Gross, have done art Ooh. for the visual novel uh, Atome Game Replay Boys. I believe you play <laughs> as Hannah, a kind of put-upon... Uh, girl who has been temporarily installed as the manager of a boy group. Uh, and it's pretty fun. I did the CGs. Uh, if you play it, I hope you like it. I have a favorite boy. I won't reveal which one, Secrets. but you should play it when it happens. It it's on Steam. It looks so Replay cool. Boys. It looks so cool. Yeah. I mean, I have my website, uh, Burnham. That's B-R-N-U-M-M-M dot com. Uh, who knows what the future of uh, artists social on media. social media is? Yeah. I'm on all of them. Follow your artists. Follow them. Help them. Help them keep their living. <laughs> we're we're all doing our best. <laughs> yeah, you can find me wherever the social media left standing is. All I'm KKMABR everywhere or Bruder Caitlin. Um, both things exist on several spots. Uh. I am uh, producing and editing a podcast called uh, Thin Places Radio because apparently I can only be involved in shows that have the cadence. Stone places, thin houses. Of stone houses and thin places. <laughs> um, and I constantly call them the wrong name, but uh, Thin Places Radio, it's a 10 minutes or less uh, <laughs> short uh, kind of audio drama about a radio show from nowhere and you can actually call in and uh, leave real voicemails for the host to potentially answer. Um, I think it's really lovely. It's beautiful. Uh, the host and writer uh, and creator of the show is one of my dearest friends and it's really, really cool. We're coming back for season two soonish. Award um, nominated. I uh, yeah, we are. We've been nominated for several awards and also award-winning. We uh -huh. were a uh, uh -huh, finalist in the uh, in in the L.A. Oh God, horror, sci-fi fest. But yeah, we're actually we're going to um, the Duluth Web Fest um, the, in October. I don't know when this episode's going out, but in October I will be up there. Um, if you want, if you're around for some reason up near Duluth, Minnesota, um, they're going to be doing screenings of a bunch of really, really cool um, web series and podcasts, and we're going to be showing one of our episodes. So Yahoo! That's really cool. I'm sure I will be very annoying about it um, when the rest of the nominations go up, but uh, that's, that's very exciting. I'm real pumped about it, and I hope you'll check it out. 
Um, wow. What else we got here? Um, we would like to thank Miles Morkery for our intro and outro music, um, at Miles Morkery on pretty much all their socials and milesmorkery.bandcamp.com to check out more of their music. Um, they also are, I believe right now, open for work. So, uh, if you need some music made, uh, highly recommend. I, I love working with Miles. Stuff. They're great. They make good stuff. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard, uh, here today, please share our show with a friend. Rate review subscribe it means so much to us and it tells you know podcast hosting sites and those uh running through them that hey someone says we're worth a listen sharing leaving reviews talking about our show uh if you like it it's very helpful it's very helpful to us and it makes it boosts our egos so Yeehaw. thanks for that uh <laughs> check us out at stonehouses cast on twitter and instagram there we post the art and stuff there uh and i like to put a little like review of what we talked about um, thank you so much for those of you who have been talking about our show and sharing it. Uh, we appreciate you so very much. Um, shout out to the person who made a TikTok about us a couple of while ago. I don't remember if I said that which episode I mentioned that in, but I just I think about it all the time. That was real cute. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> you can also post about us and tag us at Stonehouses Cast or using hashtag Stonehouses Cast so we can see it and appreciate you. And we can all just you know stare wistfully out at the sea together. I feel like that'll fix us. Yeah. Cure all our ailments. <laughs> this has been Stonehouses, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. I'm Caitlin Bruder. Ocean noises. And I'm Vern Meeker. And an albatross. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> see ya.